0: hey you guys what's up welcome back so today i have a special guest her name is anna marklin and she is a psychotherapist and a life coach and this girl's been doing it for over 20 years so she knows her stuff so in today's episode we're gonna be talking about therapy and how to find the right fit when you are looking for a therapist along with red flags that you should keep your eye out for <laughs> when it comes to you know trying to find a new therapist or maybe if you've been with um, your therapist for a while. And then we're going to dive into kind of the next steps, which is whether or not you should stick with therapy or if you should move on to finding a life coach and kind of knowing the difference between what you need in your life currently. So yeah, it's going to be a great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, Before we get get started, just a little reminder, I do have some coaching spots open still for one-on-one coaching. So if you guys are interested in making your steps now instead of waiting until the new year and really just finding food freedom, you know, still reaching your health and fitness goals. And don't worry, you guys will still be able to enjoy, you know, your favorite Christmas food, New Year's, um, enjoy time with family and friends. But, not have that guilt associated um, with food, and to just build that healthier relationship with food and learn how to intuitive eat and, and truly fuel your body and your soul and enjoy food and not have, you know any food guilt or just this unhealthy relationship that society has taught us. So if you guys are interested in doing one-on-one coaching with me, like I said, I do have a couple spots still left so you can email me my email is thisismirandalee at gmail.com or you can go to my website thisismirandalee.com and reach out all right i hope you guys enjoy this episode hey you guys welcome to the empowered podcast hosted by your girl Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset, fully surrender to God and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget you are enough, you are worthy and you are loved. Alrighty, let's get this party started. All right. Hello, Anna. I'm so excited to have you on today's podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Miranda. So happy to be here, yeah. So before we dive into everything therapy and coaching, um, can you give a little introduction about who of who you are and and what you do?
1: So yeah, I'm happy to. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I have been licensed since 1995. So I'm dating myself saying that. Um, so I my undergrad was in social work and psychology, and my graduate degree is from uh, Loyola. Here in Chicago, with a master's in social work, clinical social work. And then after that, I had been working mostly in hospitals and in uh, the medical field, counseling, uh, working in oncology. I spent my first years working at the neonatal intensive care unit and P's intensive care unit counselor. And then from then, spent years really on almost every floor trauma, ICU, the emergency room. And then I Stopped working in medical, uh, gosh, it's more than 10 years ago now, but the last uh, five, six years, I was in oncology working with cancer patients and their families, uh, counseling mostly uh, the terminally ill uh, patients and their families. So, um, and I've had a private practice for 21 years. So there were years when I worked in the hospitals and I had a small little practice on the side. And since two thousand and nine i've had a full time private practice, and so i uh, do uh, therapy psychotherapy, and life coaching so that's me that's what i've been doing
0: Wow oh my gosh that is that is a lot you you've done so much that's that's amazing so that's why I just can't wait to to pick your brain on everything because you've just had so much experience everywhere and i think <clears throat> I think that's awesome so um I know before, um, before we started this episode, we were, we were kind of talking about um, what to look for in finding a therapist. So, you know, on my show a lot, I'll say, you know, everyone needs therapy at least sometime in their life. So, you know, go, go get a therapist. But I think it's so much more deeper than that. Like you have to find a good fit. And I think that's probably why a lot of people maybe like tried therapy once and they're like, no, this is not for me. And it's probably because they didn't have the best fit um, right. with a therapist. So what advice do you have for finding a therapist that's right for you? Well, I think in the beginning, I will say
1: it does take some time and effort. It, it is a bit of work. And when I, you know, if I don't have, um, when I'm referring my friends and family members uh, to therapy, I tell them, look for three people that you are interested in and call them. Uh, I think that there's something about hearing their voice over the phone versus an email. And I think that you've got to, the most important thing with looking for a therapist is finding the right fit for you is, like I just said, the fit. They have to be somebody that you want to talk to. They have to be somebody that maybe you're not like running and skipping to your next therapy appointment because you're doing hard work with that person. But it's something, it's someone that you must feel safe with. It must be somebody that you know that you can trust or that you feel hopeful that you will develop a trusting relationship with this person, at least in the beginning. But the most important thing is, we call it, air quotes, the, a good fit, and you must feel safe with them. So, you know, and I was just telling, um, speaking in a, um, in a social audio app, Clubhouse about this, I was moderating a room and I was telling the people that were in that room that, you know, you can have all of the, you could have the, the, the education, you could have the schooling, you could have all the advanced certification, which many of us do have, because once you graduate from school, you need to continue on. You have to fulfill your licensing requirements every uh, two to three years, depending on the state that you're in. So many of us, or almost all of us who are licensed you know, uh, psychotherapist we have to continue with our schooling. We can have all the certifications. I can have all those diplomas up on my wall. The most important thing, and in my 21 years of private practice, I have had maybe one person look at my diplomas on the wall, one person actually take the time to lean over and go to the wall and say, Oh, where'd you go to school? Or what are you certified in? I have had, they say you have to have more than 10,000 hours to call yourself an expert. Well, I've been in private practice for 21 years. I've been licensed since 1995. I've had a lot more than 10,000 hours of conversations with clients. No one looks. No one looks. I mean, I've had some people ask me what is my um, my philosophical bent? What, what uh, therapies do I subscribe to? Some. Most don't. Not that they don't care. They're not interested in it. They just want to know that you can help them. They just want to know that you can take them out of their pain. So that's what I think is so important is that when you're looking for a therapist, find that right fit person. So it may mean having to reach out to two or three people, get on the phone with them and listen to their voice, listen to how they talk and ask those questions about, you know, have you, this is, I'm dealing with, let's say it's depression. I, I'm dealing with depression. And about the family issues, do you work with that? Have you, you know, have you seen people who deal with depression? What are your thoughts about medicine? Uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, are you pro meds or are you not? Start to just get information, but what you're really listening for is the way they're speaking with you. You're listening for the tone in their voice. You're listening for the inflection, and and be thinking, is this somebody? that I want to go see now, or maybe now with COVID telehealth, there's somebody that I want to be getting on zoom or FaceTime with every week and talking to about my issues is that somebody who I think might understand me and, and really air quote, sees me, sees me and sees what I'm, what I'm hurting with.
0: How long does it take to really um, like to give that person a chance? Because I know the first, first meeting with a therapist is always going to be kind of, just, warm you know, meetings. you don't know each other yet, you know? Yeah. So yes. is there like a certain amount or maybe like, all right, after three meetings, maybe I should move on to someone else or, you know, is there a, a time frame to kind of, to kind of try out to see if they're truly the right fit, if you already get the warm and fuzzy in the beginning? Sure. I think that's a good question.
1: I So usually the first, the first two sessions are are tend to be more of an assessment where the therapist is and then I am generalizing. Every therapist works differently. But like for me, the first two sessions are still information gathering. It's an assessment that I'm doing to really fully understand that person's whole life. So I would say go to three or four sessions. I mean, there are some people you just know right away. Okay, eh, big mistake. This is not somebody I, I don't want to come here next week. I don't, I'm, no, this is not a fit. I mean, and I've been in this at that position myself as a therapist, being a client, uh, going, on my own therapy I have seen people I saw a psychiatrist once who fell asleep on me in the second session yeah and I'm a therapist and he knew I was a therapist he fell asleep I could not believe it so let me tell you for people who have horror stories about therapists I'm a therapist and some of these things have even happened to me so you're not alone you know that okay so that's obvious I'm never coming back with wow you and, and I confronted said something to him and he said "Why?" Well, and he just got defensive and I thought that was unprofessional they said, I'm really busy, you know, this is, I'm really crazy busy with work and I'm as the client in pain going, I don't really care. I mean, I'm paying you to, to listen to me and to help me. So that was something I knew in the second session. Uh, I think sometimes, I think really by the third or fourth, you're going to know. You're going to know if this is somebody that you feel safe with. You're going to know if, you know, that I have some really big skeletons in my closet. I've got trauma that I've dealt with. I'm not ready to talk about it now. And I don't know this person well enough. So I don't trust them enough, but I'm willing to take that risk. Cause I really, I like him or her. I like this person and I, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm interested. I feel like I can share what it is that's going on with within me. And then maybe in many months when I'm ready, I can talk to them about some of the deeper
0: issues. You will know, you'll feel it. Yeah. So that leads to basically the opposite question. I know, um, like with me, there was one therapist that I really liked, and I saw her for such a long time that I kind of felt like I was getting too comfortable with this therapist. Is that something that's normal? Cause I kind of felt like, oh, I don't want to say this. This might be embarrassing. Where like with another therapist, I might not really, might not really care if what I'm saying is embarrassing because like it's my therapist. But is there like a point where maybe, you've been with a therapist too long or you know does it differ from person to person because I can imagine you know being with a therapist for such a long time where you're basically kind of friends I guess like you know each other they know you really well um so I guess what's your take on that I'm curious Miranda when you say
1: uh you've been with them for too long what were your thoughts that made you think I maybe ought to move on like can you share what was going on within you or what was happening in the sessions that you thought, eh, maybe I, maybe I need to, this is not, this is not really therapy. I need to move on.
0: Yeah. Um, hmm. I think it was like, really, there were certain things I didn't want to say because like I was like ashamed or worried what, if they were going to judge me or not, or like before it didn't really matter. But now it's like, I felt, I felt like I had a relationship with this person yeah. where I had like a reputation I wanted to, I wanted to keep, I know that's one of my biggest downfalls is, um, I like keeping a good, clean reputation, um, with who I am as a person, even like in the fitness world, I like being known as a person who works out all the time. And that's something I've been working on, but I know, um, with like, with my therapist, it got to the point where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to tell you this. Cause I don't want you to think negatively of me but okay. I feel like there could have been okay. a lot of factors. It could have been just me and sure. you know, my flaws. Sure. Yeah. I mean, with that,
1: I would say your therapist ought to be the person where you completely are vulnerable and exposed. But and, and I use the word exposure because sometimes we feel exposed when we're not in safe environments. And it's very embarrassing. And some dare I say for many of us, we can feel, ashamed or shameful when we feel we're exposed the therapeutic environment those four walls if you're seeing somebody in their office or the the safe space between you and that person via video now you've you've got to feel that you can go there and share whatever it is and i say that all the time to clients if you don't feel that you can come and you can tell me everything all of your skeletons okay this is within time and we have this trusting safe relationship with each other But if you are worried about what I'm going to think about you, then we got to talk about that. And because I would never want a client to think that I'm judging them. I would never want that. I would, I want that. This is the one place where they need to feel and know that they are not judged. That I have no interest in judging my clients. I've got no skin in the game. I have no interest. My interest is getting them to their best selves in their life. What's best. For them, it's not about me. You know, I had I had a uh, friend years ago tell me she was seeing the therapist. She was seeing her twice a week, I think, at one point. And she, and I knew that she was in therapy, and, and she liked this therapist. But then about a year or so later, I said, Oh, you still seeing so and so? Or, or she was talking about her therapist or something. And, and I didn't know who she was. I just knew all her. And she said, Yeah. She goes, I don't know. She goes, I don't know. I want to. I don't know about it anymore. And and she said, I just feel like, and I said, you know, wh- why is that? She said, well, I just feel like she's a highly paid friend. She goes, is that what this was supposed to be? If this is her first foray or experience into therapy. And she said, now I feel like she's a highly paid friend. And, and, uh, and I, and she goes, I don't know. She goes, I feel like half a session, she talks about her life now and half a session my life and half a session her life. And I said to her, that's beyond inappropriate. It's inappropriate. The therapist really should not be talking about their life at all, really. I mean, I will in the beginning, some of my clients, not all, depends on the boundaries, some of my clients, oh, they know I'm married. They see, like, you can see my office, my home office. They know that I have kids. I don't really talk about my personal life. That's not what they're coming to therapy for, to listen to me talk about my life at all. Now, we, 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 we use the term in service of the client. That's a term that we use in, in the psychotherapy field. If I feel that there's something in my life that I've experienced that aligns with something my client is going through, maybe a very difficult loss, they're really grieving something and they feel completely alone, I will share with them, okay, I have been through that too. Let me tell you, you're not alone. That is in service of the client and the, because the client goes, Oh, you too? I'm not alone? Okay, that's the only time really that we should be talking about our, our own lives with our clients is to, to bridge that feeling of isolation and loneliness that they, that's going on for them. Um, so, any, so anytime that we're talking about our personal lives, the therapist is talking about their personal life a lot, major red flag. Anytime that a client is thinking that they can't share everything that's going on with them, Major red flag. So I would encourage the client, or like, is this a, let's, say, let's say this is my sister talking to me about a therapist. I'd say you need to talk to your therapist about that. Bring that back to the session. That's really good material for the session. Talk to that therapist, and and I feel like I can't share with you for some reason these days. Things have changed, and maybe you and you could have a discussion, and maybe you could come to conclusion, and you stay in, in the therapeutic work with that with that therapist, if uh, let's say my sister says to me, no way, I'm not, I'm not going to bring that up. That's just weird. I'm I'm uncomfortable. I just, I don't know. Then let's say in this case, my sister or the client has every right to say, this is no longer a fit for me. It's not working. I'm going to move on. So one thing I would recommend is if you can talk to your, your therapist about it. And, and I would recommend maybe not just canceling the appointment and ghosting them. Although if you do do that, that's okay too. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but it's okay if you do it. You know, as therapists, we're, we're big people and we are, it's, we're taught and we, we know how to deal with that. So, I mean, don't worry about the therapist. They're not going to get their feelings hurt. I mean, that's part of what we do professionally. I would just recommend when it comes to conflict resolution, it's a really great way to learn how to talk with someone who better than your therapist. Uh, If your therapist can do it and most of us can do this about this is not working for me and I think I'm going to move on or I think I'm going to take a break. Uh, that's, that's, a great, that's a great tool for you to learn how to confront an issue as, as a client. I know I've done it. It's been hard to do, but it's just, it's made me better off for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I like though I like that you, you brought up um, the, a couple red flags um, to really just be aware of when it comes to the therapist. Are there any more like red flags that we should keep an eye out for? You know, maybe uh, when your therapist falls asleep during a session, that's a red flag. Your,
1: your, you like me, your therapist falls asleep on you, big red flag. I say, get up and go. And that one, I think that you can uh, just leave. <laughs> you, don't need to get, you don't need to give a reason as to why you're leaving. Uh, your therapist falls asleep, your therapist uh, breaks confidentiality. And I think that um, sometimes a therapist, like sometimes I will give an example of something with another client, but there's no names and there's no ages. You don't even know the, the gender of the person. Um, I'll use that to help the person like to know that they're not alone or this, this person went through that. You watch confidentiality if you ever, and most of us would would never do this, but I have heard of it happening. Um, giving away information, or if you live in a smaller community and the, person, the therapist uh, tells you something about someone they know in the community, that's kind of a no-no. Like, don't like in small towns, the therapist needs to just just not talk about like co- mutual people that you know. I think that that's I just think that that's a big boundary issue, and confidentiality has has got to at always at all times be protected. So, um, yeah, what else would I say? Uh, uh, if you feel any sort of, and this goes back, gosh, this goes back to my graduate school days. Um, it's it's very common to feel that you have a crush on your therapist or that you're falling in love with your therapist, very common. Uh, I would talk about that if you can, because a therapist somebody who we idealize, is somebody that we go to, we're talking to and they're nodding and understanding and they're empathic and you're like, oh my God, I've never had this, this feels amazing. And oftentimes we can feel that we're in love with that person. I think that um, that is really normal. But one thing that we ruck up, we uh, all say, we all know this is therapists. therapist. One very quick way to lose your license is uh, don't have a relationship, a therapeutic relationship with your client. Don't have sex with your client and don't have sex with a therapist ever, <laughs> ever, Good
0: piece ever. Of advice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. There's that one, which is a very, very rare thing. And that is the stuff that movies are made of. That's like the, mm-hmm. you know, the primetime movies where the therapist is doing really crazy things it's very rare. It does happen, but it is rare, but that's something like, you know, don't, uh, if you hear that, anything about a therapist being unethical, stay far away.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Big red flag. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: fog asleep, sleep, uh, your therapist being really weird, giving you weird vibes about sexuality. That's something, you know, I think that if you if you, if you don't feel that they are really getting you, let's say you're somebody who's going through, you're have you're dealing with some gender issues, a gender fluidity, you're, cause you know, maybe you're going through some transgendered identity issues, exploration, and your therapist doesn't understand that you're going to pick that up right away. I think that that's not the person for you. Um, I think that you could you know, maybe cancel that next appointment, you've got to find the right fit. I mean, that's just one thing I'd I'd want to nail, nail home.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Everyone's Mm -hmm. like so different. Everyone needs you so different. Like someone can be a quote unquote, perfect therapist, but they're not the perfect therapist for you. You know, absolutely. And absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And like, and like where you are in your life, like I know for a while, just seeing, um, Just a regular therapist was, was helpful for me, but I got to the point where I personally needed a more faith-based therapist to grow past this plateau that I felt like I hit because other therapists, you know, would, you know, nod and agree to um, some of the things I'd bring up about my faith, but I needed to be challenged and pushed. So then, you know, I ended up, you know, and I talked to my therapist about that because I, I loved my my previous therapist. And I said, you know, I think I'm ready for, um, you know, a a Christian, a faith-based therapist. And, you know, she's super understanding about, about it, found one for me. And, you know, I switched over and switching over therapists is never, I don't know. It's like, Oh no, I have to teach someone about myself all over again, but it only takes a couple of sessions, like just to get into the groove. And then, you know, it's definitely worth it. But what do you, at what point do you think someone, um, I guess, is uh, done and kind of finished with therapy for that point in their life? And, you know, maybe ready for the next step? And what is the next step? Well, I don't know. So I think it's up to each individual to know when they're
1: done with therapy. I, I don't know that we're, I would say, of course, I've been a therapist for a long time now, more than half my life. I don't know that we're ever done. I mean, I'm like I'm not in my own therapy right now. I was before COVID hit. I had a great uh, therapist that I was seeing. I was dealing with the uh, the, the death, the impending death of my father. So I was doing some anticipatory grief and loss um, counseling. And then he passed. COVID hit. My father passed, and I've you know dealt, you know, been grieving it. And I'm in a much better place now. So right now I don't need to be in therapy. But will I go back? Yes, I probably will go back. I think that it's so important. But there's also, which you and I talked about before Miranda, we started recording is life coaching or coaching, which is uh, the other half of my practice. And so like right now I have a coach and I love my coach and I don't, I've done a lot of work on my family of origin issues. I've done a lot of work on a lot of inner child work, a lot of that work. And and I feel that so much of, of that is resolved. I don't know that I'll ever really go back to that. It's, it's complete for me. I'm finished with it. I need help with maybe some more uh, present day issues and looking at my future. So I need somebody who's, you know, going to help me with being an entrepreneur. That's, that is, is very difficult for me having gone from owning a small business to uh, being an entrepreneur. There's so many different aspects to it that I didn't know about. And my coach helps me with that. And so when I, and what happens is if I get full of self-doubt if I get insecure, that's what she helps move me with. So it's not the deep, deep issues of like uh, trauma work, but it's more, it's more surfacey. And it's important too. Like if I have self doubt, we gotta, we gotta, I gotta talk to somebody about that because my self doubt can keep me from taking those next steps, putting myself out there. And so that's what my my coach helps me with, which is really for me right now just as important as the work that I did with my former therapist. So uh, that for many people is the next step. So many, probably almost all of the people that I'm coaching, they've been in therapy and they've done, they've said to me, I don't need to do, I don't need to work on stuff from my childhood. I did that years ago as a therapist. I need help with issues that are going on with work right now with my boss and with my employees. So, um, and I've got a little bit of some stuff with my husband, not to say that we don't do a little bit of going back and looking at the past but we don't stay there. And that's therapy. Therapy, we stay there. Coaching, we look at it and we will have conversations around it, but we don't stay there. It's very present day focused. And then I'm giving you action steps. And people love that. They love accountability. Okay, this is what you're doing this week. So when we talk next week and we talk in two weeks. This is what you will have done. And they love that. So that is, I think for many people, the next step, after psychotherapy, is getting a coach for yourself. I think it's a game changer. I got to be honest with you, I love it.
0: See, yeah, I really like that you said that um, getting a coach, you're focusing on the present day. And yeah, I think that's something people need to ask themselves um, maybe when they're trying to determine, like, do I need a therapist or do I need a coach? That, you know, therapy is more working on your past and coaching is more focusing on your present and, like you said, the next steps into your future. So I really like that. Do you have any other, um, I guess, indicators of whether you should uh, maybe steer toward therapy or steer toward coaching? Because I know, especially with, like, me, you know, being, um, like, a health coach, there is that fine line of, okay, like, I'm not you're a therapist, like if you have, if you're eating, if you have like a serious eating disorder, you definitely need to see like a therapist or a professional, um, to conquer that before come seeing me as a coach where I can help you heal your relationship with food and learn, um, more about, you know, fitness and nutrition. But if there's this deeply rooted issue, like a long-term eating disorder, um, you know, or something in your past, that's really, form this really unhealthy relationship with food like you definitely need to see a therapist absolutely and what I didn't say before when I talked about
1: my background and the work that I've done and, and I know that you know this is that I work I'm an eating disorder specialist so as a psychotherapist that's a specialty of mine I've been doing that since 98 I worked in a partial hospitalization program and a part, my private psychotherapy practice I've always had clients who suffer from all the different types of eating disorders. I completely agree with you when I have people who come, so I'm not a health coach, but I do talk about nutrition, sleep as just really good uh, taking care of oneself. And with my coaching clients, if I find that they're, did my red flags go up? I've been doing this for so long. If my like ding, 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 if my flags go up and I think there's an, an eating disorder there, I will, I will, refer them to a therapist. so I say to them, I'll be your coach on this. Psychotherapy um, is what I do as well. And you know that, and I'm an eating disorder specialist. You came to me for coaching and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about nutrition, not a lot, but I'm not going to talk to you about your eating disorder since I started as your coach. You've got to get to a therapist. So that's the, that's the, the really uh, important differentiation and delineation is that as a coach, I'm not treating you as a psychotherapist where I'm get, there's a diagnosis. Um, if there is an eating disorder, you're absolutely right, Miranda. They need to see a therapist for that. And I think that eating disorders in particular I was going to I forgot to mention this earlier if you are dealing with an eating disorder, you must see an eating disorder special therapist. Do not see someone who doesn't know eating disorders because it is so highly specialized, and we're trained differently. And you just cannot see somebody who is a generalist, or somebody who you know knows cognitive behavioral therapy or knows different types of therapies, and has had maybe one client with an eating disorder. No, 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 no. You need somebody who treats eating disorders. It's so highly specialized. So I, I need to underscore that. I think it's that important to say that. Um, so uh, back to your original question about uh, the what I, I I got off on my eating disorder.
0: Uh, uh, tangent
1: a little bit there so let's go back to the, the original question
0: no uh, first of all thank you for for saying that because that's really true if if you are struggling with an eating disorder you you need to find a specialist and you know a lot of a lot of ther- therapists you know they have their specialties, so it's not going to be you know that difficult to really find one right. who, who specializes in that um, but yeah my my original question is I, I guess kind of knowing what point are you in where you would need a therapist versus you're ready for coaching? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to that. So I
1: therapy, you're going to talk about the past and you're going to spend time there. So maybe you've got something that you've got to work on. Maybe you've got issues with your mom and dad, let's say maybe you're 25 or 30 years old. Maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you've got some attachment issues with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner and it's triggering you, you're getting, there's a lot of triggers, there's things that are coming up for you. And you at some level realize this is about my past, like, this is like my mom and dad, my relationship with my mother, this is like their marriage, like, I'm, I'm acting this out, I, I'm expecting him or her to behave the way my mom or dad behaved. That's therapy. You see the therapist for that, because you need to really go back and unpack what happened in the past, and the, the behavior pattern, the, the the psychology the ways of thinking within which you were raised and that's something that you got to just kind of take apart that's therapy coaching you're not going to do that deep dive into your past coaching really is like i said it's very present day focused and so like um i coach people on mindset that's a big one that's a lot of what i do is mindset so coming up with present day issues with like their mindset about something with work or their mindset about um, uh, belief, self-belief, self-worth. So I am looking at emotional, psychological issues, but they're not deeply laden to the past. I hope that that makes sense. So it's, it, and it's very much looking at, um, okay, what are we, where, where are you going? Let's look forward. Where do you wanna be six months from now? Where do you wanna be a year from now? And what do we need to do to get you there? So here, what are the action steps for this next month? And I'm going to hold you accountable and you're going to get them done, right? Yeah. You're going to get them done. And if you don't, that's okay. I'm just going to gently and uh, encourage you kind of poke and prod you to get it done. Uh, But where in six months, what are the goals? So it's very much about action steps. Coaching is very much about goals. It's very much about me helping you get yourself there. It's fun. I mean, I find it to be, it's fun. So I, I, I love it. I think that clients are like, this is it's so interesting my my clients who have been in therapy when they come to coaching they just like this is the best thing ever like i don't i didn't need i don't need to to do all that I don't need to talk about like uh, i don't know like the abuse I've dealt with my abuse now I want to talk about how I can just really find my mate and really just and ed- how do I enter into it and be in this healthy relationship going forward you know what what are it is emotional, psychological, but it's not as deep. So that's what I, I think I want to hit home to your, to your listeners.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that. And I think, you know, worst case scenario, if you're not sure, go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And a good
1: coach will tell you a good coach will tell you an ethical coach will tell you, this is not coaching. And I've done that this is not coaching. Mm-hmm. You need therapy. If that, this is I, because as a, as a psychotherapist and a coach, I know them both very well. And I know when, okay, this is a therapy. And when I started with my coaches and clients, and um, I'm sorry, when I start with my, my clients and coaching, I will, I won't then become their therapist because it's a conflict of interest. It's a little bit of a boundary. Your, your boundaries yeah. get muddled. So uh-huh. I don't do that, but I'll say to them, if you want to continue to work with me as your coach, that's fine. You've got to see somebody for these issues because I can't treat this. You've got to go see a therapist. So, you know, a, a really, I think a good ethical coach will send you along to a therapist. And oftentimes we're doing that simultaneously. Oftentimes my coaching clients are in therapy and they'll mention what's going on in their therapy, you know, a, as it relates to the coaching. But um, I can rest assured knowing that, okay, you're dealing with that. You're taking care of that. Good. Now let's move on into the present day stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 And I like that you said that like, you can still, you can be in both simultaneously. You can, you yeah. know, you can be in therapy and be in coaching because, you know, one, you're working on your past and the other one, you're working on your present and your future. Um, yep. And they can just, they can just be so, so helpful together as well. And I think as long as, as us as a client, like we're aware um, that they are separate. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think that you know, and I think that I have a bias. I think that psychotherapists make the best coaches because we have a code of ethics. I do. I really do. I, mm-hmm. Because the coaching industry is unregulated still. So I mean, you could go to a three day weekend coaching certification course, and hey, you're now a career coach, a life coach, an executive coach. But I think that we do make, and, least, and now you know, I think we do make some of the best coaches because I have all the psychological background. And so I know when, I know when to, to stay in my lane and I know like, that's not my lane. I'm not going there with you. That's, I don't, I don't treat that. I don't do that. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm, and that's not what coaching is for. I'm not going to, you know, and I think sometimes, and, and, and there's some really, a lot of really fantastic coaches, but that's your job as, as a consumer to know, you know, uh, when that person is staying in their lane, if you've got somebody who is, let's say, um, Let's say they're a mindset coach, but they're talking to you about like trauma. That to me is a red flag. They're not trained in trauma work. They really, they could, they could be. Uh, there's a lot of, like they could be, They're trauma informed. Trauma informed is different between it's different from being trained in doing trauma therapy, EMDR, somatic, um, uh, somatic therapies to treat trauma. That's different from being a trauma informed person. So I just really you know, would recommend to your listeners do your homework to so you ask those ask those questions you know ask the questions of you know what is your you know how many clients have you seen what is your background with this um i do have some trauma you know i don't think you can work on my trauma but what do you think about you know you say you're you're uh, i don't know like you're i see a lot of people saying they're a trauma-informed coach what exactly does that mean and just ask those questions you know know what you're getting into with the world of coaching it's, it's fantastic yet at the same time it's unregulated I think it will get regulated over the next decade but right now it's an unregulated industry so you really have to do your homework when it's when it comes to looking for a good coach
0: yeah and that's so true and like no one else is going to do the homework for you and no one else knows the best fit for you as well and I think um, we just need to learn how to advocate for ourselves a little more and, and ask the questions. I know a lot of people get kind of, you know, nervous when it comes to asking these hard questions, but at the end of the day, like you're paying this person, you want to make sure you're paying the right person.
1: Totally, totally. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this mom who is, she's a colleague now of mine, and we became very, very friends, like friends, but we're also colleagues. This is probably 15, gosh, a long time ago, 15 years ago her daughter was recommended to me for therapy. I think she was like eighth or ninth grade. I don't see kids that young anymore. That's time I did. And she did not wanna be there. I think there was some drama going on at the junior high, all this like mean girl stuff was going on, these clicks and mean girl issues. And um, so the mom said, I, I, my daughter is one of the mean girls, which I give the mom credit for seeing that and being on top of that. Yeah, she's like, you need to go to therapy. So she brought her daughter to me, and the daughter did not want to be there. It was actually just like rolling her eyes at me and sitting back with her arms crossed, you know, over her chest, like I'm not talking. And I met with her, I think twice. And then I finally pulled the mom and at the end of the second session. I said, this is not going to work. She doesn't want to be here. It's just it's not a, it's not a fit. And, and I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I've been doing it a uh, long enough at that point. And as therapists in the beginning, sometimes we try too hard and we are our supervisors and the w- people that we consult with, you know, say to us, don't work harder than your client, never work harder than your client. Your client is there. Your client needs to do the work, not you. And this is, so this must have been more like towards 20 years ago because I was working very hard to try to get her to talk to me. And she was just not having it. Then I finally said to the mom, you know, this is not going to work. It's so interesting. The mom, Reached out to me about six months later and said, You know, you weren't the best fit for her. And she said to her, She ended up going to my colleague, who's a friend of mine, another colleague therapist, and was with her for years. Wow. So it just, we were not a fit. We were not a fit, but she ended up being with this other therapist for years. And I know that because the mom told me, but the mom stayed in connection with me. And the mom has referred so many people to me over the past 15, 20 years. Isn't wow. that interesting? So good good on that mom. But I I say this because not everybody, like you said this earlier, I'm not a fit for everyone. Not everyone's a fit for me. And that teenager at that point, we just weren't a fit with each other. But my my colleague was. But the mom and I, the mom was like, but I still like Anna and my daughter doesn't work with her. And so I can't tell you the people she said to me. So, you know, it's so important to, to really to find that fit um with a therapist and or a coach
0: yeah and yeah and it's not something to you know to take personal either right it's just a fit it doesn't reflect on you know the coach or the therapist as a person you know it, it really it's it's just about you know the fit of of two people and how compatible they are together like we've all had, you know, boyfriends or whatever. It's like, they were a great person, but they just weren't a fit for us. So.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I'll be, I'll tell you, I had someone, um, about a month ago who reached out to me who I realized that she talked about having an eating disorder and then this was on the phone. And then upon talking with her further, I realized she had a full on eating disorder full on and I said do you want to get it? and she said well I'm calling you because my my parents want me to call you and I said okay and let 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 me understand this a little bit better and I said I said do you want to work on it and she said I don't really want to work on it and I said well I'm probably not the best person for you then because if you're gonna spend your time with me and your money you got to want to work on it. And I said, "It's let's not waste our both your time and my time. And she was like, oh, really? I think she thought that I would just take her on anyway. And I thought, no, I mean, you're over 18. You get to make these decisions. And I said, by all means, call me when you're ready. I'd be happy to work with you, but you got to want to do this. And she's like, okay. But in a way, it was interesting because I think it empowered her that, oh, this person is telling me that I get to choose if I want to work on this or not right now, you know? So I think that that's, you look for that in in a therapist for any of you listening, look for that, you know?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I told her, and I said, if it's not me, here's what you look for in these sort of therapists. These are three things you need to look for. Go look for that. It doesn't have to be me. I hope I kind of hope it is, but if it's not, that's okay too. And this is what I want you to look for. She's like, Oh, okay. So, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it. Um, you can look at that the other way around too, that, you know, clients need to realize that like, we might be coaches or in your case, a therapist, but we're not magical. You know, you can't, you can't go to us if you're not willing to put in the work. There you go. We can't do the work for you. It's like, same with that client, you know, she might've went to you, but she wasn't ready to heal her eating disorder. Like you couldn't do it for her. It's something she had to do. And I know that's, something I have to work with, with my clients. And I, my mom's um, a personal trainer and she's been a personal trainer for a long time. And she, she knows there will be clients who will come in and will literally only do the workouts like that one day a week when they're with her right? and they don't do their, they don't do anything on their own. And it's like, you can't blame your, your coach or your trainer because like, they'll give you everything you need. You have to do the work.
1: Yeah. If you're not, you can't blame your mom, the personal trainer, that you're not seeing results, that so you're not your body comps not changing, you're not getting stronger. When it's like, well, did you work out? Did you do the recommended two or three workouts I told you to do this week? We get no, I didn't have time. Well, yeah, that, right, exactly. Yeah, I think she appreciated it. I don't think she had heard that before because I wasn't the yeah. first therapist that she had been to, and the fact that I said to her, "Hey, you got full, well, you got free choice here, but if you're gonna work with me, let's work together, and you've got to want to work on this." And I think she loved that I asked her, "Do you want to get better?" And she's like. Not and, and I loved her honesty. She's like, not really, not not now. No, not really. So I actually it was a short conversation and she's not a client, but it was a great conversation, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That honesty is, is is so important. And yeah. Yeah, I mean the same both you both you guys a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So where can, um, our listeners, you know, reach out to you and connect with you and, you know, s- listen to your podcast as well.
1: So my podcast is the Badass Confidence Coach Podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, badass underscore confidence underscore coach on Instagram. And you can check me out on my website, com. So lots of different ways to reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram. You can leave me a voicemail. I'm, I'm all over the place. So if you, if you're looking for a coaching or you're looking for a therapy, reach out.
0: Yeah. And I, and I will put all those links and stuff in the show notes so people can reach out to you, but thank you so much, Anna, for coming on and yeah. just giving us all this amazing information. I think we all needed to hear. Miranda, thanks for having me. This is really great. All right, so that is it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And remember, if you guys need therapy, do not be ashamed or embarrassed to reach out. We are normalizing therapy here. Like, hello, I go to therapy, Anna's gone to therapy. Like, we're all going to therapy. It's just, we need someone to be in our corner. And if it's our therapist, then heck yeah, let's do it. And just remember, you know, as women and, you know, children of God, Turning to therapy is not is not a negative thing. You can still rely on God and, you know, pray to God and cast all your anxieties onto God, but sometimes you need that that extra that extra support and, you know, going to a therapist can be really helpful. You might want to go to, you know, like I was saying before, a Christian therapist or a faith-based ther- therapist so they can kind of help you Um, since they will have very similar values as you, but yeah, just don't be afraid to go to therapy. Even if you're a guy, like go to therapy. There's, there's nothing more manly than a man going to therapy and talking about his feelings. That's all I got to (laughs) say. So thank you guys again for joining me. If you guys did enjoy this podcast, please take, you know, the one minute to leave me a written review on Apple podcasts. And otherwise I will catch you guys in the next episode.